This episode is brought to you by Okendo. Over 5,000 of Shopify's fastest growing retailers trust Okendo to capture high impact reviews, showcase customer experiences, and drive conversions. Stay tuned for a special offer for Stairway to CEO listeners later in the show. Hello, everyone. It's Lee Green, and welcome back to the Stairway to CEO podcast. It's my mission to bring you real, honest, and unfiltered interviews with some of the most innovative founders and CEOs from all walks of life. We'll talk about their climb to the top, their stumbles along the way, and the steps they took to get them to where they are. So tune in to get inspired, listen to some real talk, and enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 116 of the Stairway to CEO podcast. I'm your host, Lee Green, and today I spoke with Jennifer Zezet, the co-founder and CEO of Goodles. Goodles is reimagining everyone's beloved mac and cheese, making it nutrient-dense, protein-packed, and tasting as good as it feels to eat. Founded by an all-star team, including Jen Zezet, the former CEO of Cerebelli, Deb Luster, the former co-founder and president of Annie's, Paul Earle, a branding expert and a former brand manager at Kraft, and Gal Gadot, an award-winning actress known for playing Wonder Woman, Goodles is reinventing the $4.4 billion prepared pasta aisle that hasn't seen real innovation in decades. In this episode, Jen shares with us her journey from growing up in the Bay Area, learning to take care of her younger sister at an early age, to becoming a buyer at Cost Plus World Market, to being offered $3 million to start her first company, Scout Labs, to becoming the CEO of Cerebelli, to incorporating Goodles in November 2020. She talks about a few lucky breaks she's encountered throughout her career journey, her experience with a very shady investor, her views on leadership, and why the way you do work matters. If you like what you're hearing on the Stairway to CEO podcast, we'd love it if you left us an awesome review. And don't forget to click subscribe to get updates on when we publish new episodes every Tuesday morning. You can follow us on Spotify or check us out at stairwaytoceo.com. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, Jen. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today. I'm really excited to hear your story in building Goodles. No. Goodles. It, however, it Goodles. makes you happy to say is totally fine. We literally just talked about this, and I still messed it up. We say Goodles. We emphasize the good in our go- in our noodles, but it goes either way. Whatever makes you smile. I just think about the noodle so much that I just want to say the noodle version of Goodles. Goodles. It's noodles made gooder, so it's 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 all good. Okay, so where are you calling from, actually? Our headquarters is here in Santa Cruz, California. So we're a little, little sunny beach town just south of San Francisco. And it's a super weird, crazy counterculture place and the perfect home base for this crazy little brand. So you guys have an office and everything over there? We do. I wish I could give you a tour. I'm looking at the disco ball. I'm looking at a fully restored Myers-Banks dune buggy with flames all over it that's in the middle of our office. It's like Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, but with mac and cheese. 
It sounds so fun. I know I can tell by the, even the titles of the, the mac and cheese that you guys have, <laughs> which I can't wait to get into. And I literally have two different ones sitting in front of me. I just made them right now because of the two that I didn't get to yet, but now I have. Thanks for sending. I love the yes, product. Of course. I'm really so excited happy. to chat about it. Um, but let me start from the very beginning. I want to hear more about sure. your personal story. Where are you from originally and what was childhood like growing up? Yeah, so I'm from, I'm a Bay Area um, here in California girl, third or fourth generation, actually. So um, I've been here my whole entire life. I grew up in San Mateo, California single mom and my sister. So a tiny little family, even, you know, on holidays when everybody got together, there were five of us. So just a small little, small little family. And wait, are you saying small family of five kids or no, like grandparents, aunts and uncles, sisters, mom, five total. Oh, so you didn't have siblings. I have one sister. I grew up with my mom we had my one, my grandma and my aunt, and that was it. That's the full extended family that we grew up with. So really, really tiny family here, here in San Mateo. But, you know, we grew up in, you know, kind of the heart of Silicon Valley. So it was a great place to grow up and a great place to, 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 to be a kid for sure. Yeah, definitely. Was your mom working in tech or anything? No, my mom was working everywhere, doing everything she could to make ends meet. So she did lots and lots of things, but she didn't work in tech. But it was something that, you know, she she had to be on the road a lot. She was gone a lot. So I think I just, I kind of had to be the grown up in the house really early. She had to teach me how to drive before I could get my driver's license because it's just the only way to get my sister to practices and whatever. We had to just you know, you were driving her illegally. Yeah, we just had to. That's just it's what you got to do. So yeah. um, I'm kind of I, I feel like I was 13 going on 30. I was like 30 years old when I was 13. And yeah, I'm just kind of I've always been just thinking, thinking ahead constantly. So how, how do you think that has shaped you as an entrepreneur or as a leader? Well, I think I mean, there's just there's a lot of you know, ind- independence, like you just kind of have to figure it out. There's no one that's doing your homework for you or any of those sorts of things. You just got to make it work. Right. Or helping you with your homework, right? Like if you needed help, you were on your own. She's in LA or whatever it is. You know, my, my mom is amazing and I'm so grateful for all that she gave us and how hard she worked and everything. But I definitely saw this like self-reliance and a need to just figure it out on my own. And so I just, I had to figure out everything on my own. But I just, I feel, I mean, I've had so many crazy lucky breaks and and one of them being this woman in our little neighborhood put up a sign looking for dog walkers. I'm always trying to help make ends meet with the family and things like that and earn money. And so I was like, I'll walk your dog, of course. Turns out the woman who I'm walking the dog for is this this coach to the the world's most famous CEOs. And she has this consulting business with, you know, all of these luminaries from Charles Schwab, from Schwab, the brokerage to Mary Kay Ash from Mary Kay to Andy Grove from Intel, who was the CEO of Intel, like all of these incredible luminaries. And she's like, you seem smart. Do you want to be like my assistant and come work at this thing and be around all these CEOs at age 14? I'm like, yes, I do. So I have had so many interesting, incredible experiences really, really early on. Um, 
and just saw this world of business and creativity. Um, didn't really think about entrepreneurship for a really long time. And that we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. But I was always a leader. My mom, I don't remember the story, but my mom always tells me the story, which is I'm bouncing off the walls and jumping all over the place and doing all of these. I'm just like a bundle of energy in the house. And she's just trying to focus or get work done or something. And she's like, Jen, this is just not what little girls do. They're, they sit and they're quiet and they're quiet and they do their thing. And I guess I looked at her and I said, well, I guess I'm the leader of the ones who don't. And so (laughs) she always tells me that that's that if I ever write a book, it's gotta be, I'm the leader of the ones who don't (laughs) sassy and like, nope, that's not how I roll. So I don't know. I don't really remember that. Although what I do remember is starting little companies all the time. I kind of stumbled into entrepreneurship later in life, but then when you look back, you're like, oh yeah, I guess I did you know, have a bunch of little companies and a bunch of little businesses. And I had the little restaurants that had to get shut down and that, oh yeah. Like, so I guess it probably was part of me all along. I just didn't know it was one of the choices. You had a restaurant? Yeah. I would just have menus and print out menus and set up the whole thing. And I would have, and I would invite all kinds of people from the neighborhood and seat them and cook. And there were menus and all that kind of stuff. And I was like 10 or something like that. And I, you know, it wasn't until later that I was like, oh yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess I did do stuff like that all the time. So anyway, um, but it was a great childhood. It was just so, so great and so blessed. And I think I just, you know, started being very self-reliant. I got million ideas and I love sharing those ideas with people. And I think that for me is like the bridge to wanting to start companies. I just get so excited about it. I just, how can you not bring it to the world when you have a really good idea? It's like a disservice to the idea. You're like, you have to do it. That's awesome. It is really funny how you can look back and be like, at the time as a kid, you were just thinking you were just being a normal kid and actually look back and you're like, that wasn't that normal. And actually it was pretty entrepreneurial. (laughs) It's funny. You have kids too. I was just going to say like you, you see them when they're tiny, like age three or something. And they're doing things now. And I just wish I could fast forward and see, because I know that I'm going to look back and I'm going to say, oh my gosh, we could totally see that in them all along. You can't go forward, but you can look, look back and you just see those threads of, of what, they're, what they're meant to be in them at such an early age. It's fun. Definitely. Definitely. That's why I like to talk about people's childhood, because I think it shows a lot into like a glimpse into who we become. So what were some of your first jobs? I know you went to University of Michigan and University of California, Berkeley. What were some of the jobs that you had, I guess, before and during college? Well, there was the working as an assistant to all of these incredible CEOs, which was an amazing first job. What were, that's intimidating, right? It was crazy. I mean, we, yeah, I flew all over the world and went on some private jets and all of this kind of stuff to be around these extraordinary people. I ended up actually being a ghostwriter. My husband and I, he was my boyfriend at the time, but we ended up ghostwriting a book for all of those people because we were so close to them and everything. So that there's where there's a very unusual, like, wait, how did this happen kind of things? But I also worked at Hillsdale Mall in the frozen yogurt place. And, you know, that my, that I pulled the little crank and served the frozen yogurt, just like, you know, every young kid trying to, trying to, to, to make money and those sorts of things. But Berkeley, once I got to undergrad at Berkeley, I started 
what's called I called kids camp. So I guess I started a, a camp for 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 young kids. Went to Paris. I lived in Paris for a while, um, and I worked in restaurants there in Paris, cooking and really learning how to run and operate businesses. So that was kind of fun and incredible. And then when I graduated from Berkeley, I actually became a buyer for Gourmet Foods at Cost Plus World Market. So their headquarters is right there in Oakland and Jack London Square. And so, yeah, I was a buyer for Gourmet Foods there. So um, now that I'm in CPG and making food products that need to get sold to buyers, having been a buyer like long, long, long ago, actually comes in really, really handy. But you can also see the threads of food in here somewhere. There's like clearly there's some something foodie was going on all along as well. Actually worked in a little restaurant up in Mendocino. And I actually thought I was going to open restaurants and went up to Mendocino, which is one this tiny little town in Northern California, literally population 400. But there's an incredible restaurant there. And I had read all of the chef's books. I'd read all of everything about it. And she had this incredible breakfast restaurant. And that's what I wanted to open was breakfast and brunch. So I didn't even call or ask her if she had a job. We sold our, we left our house. We moved to Mendocino. We found a rental, showed up in the town. And I walked over and I said, I'm Jen. I'm here to help you with everything that you need to run this restaurant. I'm going to learn everything that I possibly can. I'll do anything you want to do. I just want to learn how to make breakfast and be by your side. And she said, oh, sweetie, we shut down the breakfast business. And I was like, oh, okay. But the good news is they opened dinner. So I still worked there um, while writing this book. And it was an incredible experience, of course, but learned that the day in, day out running and the operations of a restaurant was really kind of boring. The days are just so the same. I was like, wow, I went all this energy and I, I, that's not what I want to do. So I ended up going back to business school at Michigan and kind of went into marketing and consumer packaged goods first with Procter and Gamble, and then moved on to launching other brands for um, a big, huge agency. So I've worked on tons and tons of new product launches and things like that. So, yeah. And then you started your own company, Scout Labs. Tell us about that. Because you got, I mean, you basically founded, scaled and sold that business. So, and that was your first company, right? So what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced in building your first business? Well, I guess let me orient you to how that all happened. I didn't think I was starting a company. So I definitely was loving smaller and smaller things. Procter & Gamble was this giant company. And then I went to eBay and then I kept getting smaller and smaller. So I went to run product and marketing for a small, uh, a small company, 20 people or some in San Francisco. And I, it was like two weeks on the job, three weeks on the job. And the CEO was like, Hey, new head of marketing and product. The lead investor wants to talk to you. And I was like, well, geez, I don't like, I, I, I'm like date week two on the job. You're like, what I do wrong? <laughs> yeah. He's like, I think he just wants to know like your whole strategy for the future. I was like, oh, okay. Well, right. Ah. right. So I go and I meet with them over lunch and I say, well, you guys are over here. My initial thought is you guys are doing this community thing and you're trying to get customers to come to you. But I really think that this social media thing is a really big deal. Twitter was just founded. We and I and I said I'm pretty sure that 
if brands want to tune into the voice of the people, they should not be asking them to come to Coke.com to leave a message. Coke.com needs to be going to where the consumers are and they should be listening to the voice of the people out across social networks. And the CEO goes, oh my, I mean, not the CEO, the leading investor, this really, really rich guy said, oh my God, that's a much better idea. Here's $3 million, go start a company. I was what? like, what? Wait, no, I'm like, what are you talking about? I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old. I'm a marketer. I'm like the marketing mom. I don't start companies and I don't even know what even that means. Like, thank you, but no, thank you. Was that literally your response? Like, how did you, you were like, "Mm, I don't know about that. You're crazy. Yes, absolutely. And I was like, no, I don't even know what you're like. No. Right. Um, So I said no. And then like a week later, he kept, I mean, to his credit, he kept calling me going, I think you're still thinking about it. And I'm like, I am not still thinking about this. And then I'd be like, okay, I think I have the name for it. I think it's Scout, right? Right? And he's like, oh my God, that's so good. And I was like, all right, what's the worst that can happen? He's giving me $3 million. I could just take a salary. So I'm putting this out to, to, and I want to say this because I am super unrisk averse. I was a mom of three, two little kids. I was not going to put in my own money. I'm not going to do it. I've literally never taken a risk <laughs> in, in that sense. But I was like, hey, it's like CEO training wheels. Like how uh, if the wheels fall off, like, oh, well, at least I'll lear- I've learned and I've tried. So all right, let's give this a try. So yeah, so we launched and started that company about three months after Twitter was founded. I called my friends at Adidas and I was like, I, we're going to help you tune into Twitter. And he's like, what's a Twitter? And it's crazy because um, it's kind of fun because... um biz stone one of the founders of twitter is that one investor in my current company so anyway it's all it's all really fun that's interesting i mean because you really did kind of try to walk away like you almost didn't do it definitely what made you just change your mind i mean i think about that all the time because i never thought of myself as an entrepreneur and here i am four companies later and i was like wow i mean i owe we'll talk a bit about the chaos that ensued because that did not go flawlessly at all. However, I have to look back to that moment and just say, what did you see in me? And why did you give me that chance? And, 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 and also come back for three weeks while I told you no over and over. Like I really owe this investor a huge, huge debt of gratitude because I never would have known how, how good it felt to bring something to life. Um, but I do love leading teams and I, I'm, I'm a mobilizer of forces. So when I have a goal in mind, like I, I love moving heaven and earth and all the powers in my control and any powers not even in my control, like lining up those forces to go take the hill. If, if I wasn't doing this, I would be a general in a military something or other because I love that idea of just mobilizing all the forces to go after something. So, and this is true. It was a really good idea. Social media was a thing and I think brands should tune into it. So there was that too. It was like a perfect idea at the perfect time. And we just grew like, grew like crazy. Did you know at that time that you really enjoyed mobilizing teams or did that take a while to learn about yourself? I mean, I guess it's more the category of, I look back on the, all of the kind of early stories of me being like the leader for all of these people who came together and we launched this or that or that, or whatever, like third grade or those sorts of things. So I think the threads were already always there, but I think I had to get myself into that position 
actually running, leading a team. And there were lots of things that I were good at. And then there were lots of things I was really not good at because I just didn't know. I just, I didn't know. So even though that company was a great product at an incredible moment in time, and we had hundreds of consumer packaged goods companies using our product and we got offers to be acquired really, really quick. So that the the outside perspective was like, wow, that was a little like rocket ship that just like, woo, it was so easy. We almost shut, shut down multiple times. Um, there were moments where we were out of funding. So I had one investor in that one. I didn't know that you had to be diversified. This guy was really nice. And he said that he, and I like, he actually had close to a billion dollars. So like, what could go wrong? Well, there was the financial crisis and that investor started getting into financial straits and like the house of cards kind of collapsed. Sadly, he lost everything and was in this awful state of bankruptcy. At the time, we didn't know any of this was happening. We just saw more and more erratic behavior, more and more extreme things going on, some fishy things. We now know there is some drug use going on at the time, like we, those, those sorts of things. And we were, we and a couple of us other companies were co-located in an office space that our investor, kind of like an incubator or, you know, co-located in the space. So we would pay, you know, we had a rent for our little area that we would pay. We would pay it every single month. And we were all on time with that. One day we came to the office. There's probably 30 of us at this point. We come to the office and all of our doors are locked. Our keys don't work. And there's notes on the doors that say, until you start paying rent, you are out and you're not getting back into your offices. Our computers were in there, our contracts for our customers, like everything was in there. And we went downstairs and we're like, what are you talking about? We pay our investor rent every single month. And he's like, well, he hasn't given us rent in over a year. And we're like, what? Oh. <laughs> and we're like, guys, we need like, what five minutes to just get a handful of things. And they're like, you can get one thing. And so we, they let us into one door and we literally got wheelie chairs and we stacked our contracts, our computers. We grabbed everything that we possibly could. We put it on wheelie chairs. We went into the middle. We all hit the buttons on the, the elevator at the same time. We had to make a run for it. There was no other way to do it. We hit all the elevator buttons, we held them so that we all descended and opened the elevator doors at the same time. And we ran with our wheelie chairs out through the security doors in San Francisco. There were four, four of us who had getaway cars that were waiting around the building. And we just knew that there's one security guy couldn't stop all of us, all 30 of us in wheelie chairs. So we had to escape from our own building and we've literally never ever gone back. We never ever got back in. I was 10 months pregnant at the time and it was, so it was, it was insane. And then on top of it all, that company was acquired. Um, all of this was in the middle of a process to be acquired. The company was acquired on the same day that my third baby Henry was born. So I like had to choose my labor and delivery room based on the strength of the internet connection in Santa Cruz. We have two, we have Dominican and Sutter. And Sutter had much, much better internet. So I chose to have my baby there. And luckily he was two weeks late. Luckily we escaped from the building and got acquired. 
and I gave birth to Henry and that was the end of that oh one. Oh my gosh. Way to go, Henry, to hold out for till it's all Seriously, over. <laughs> such a good little boy. But like sometimes I watch that show Silicon Valley or whatever and people are like, that's so unrealistic. I was like, actually, you don't even know that. Happened. It's way worse than that in real life. So some crazy, crazy, crazy. Wow. Story. Yeah. Well, what did you learn about yourself as a first time founder and CEO during that time? You know, you learn this survival instinct. It's like a mother when you hear these stories of, you know, a car crushing your baby or something like that, and you can lift the whole car. Like what you do to keep, at least what I did to be able to keep this alive and keep it all going and somehow persist through really, really hard times was an incredible realization of just like how much strength that you can bring to a situation. But I also really learned that I wasn't really doing it for the company or for the financial outcome or any of those sorts of things. I was absolutely doing it for that, for that team. I think in those moments, you really get clarity on what matters. And and there were people who were like, I'm going to cash out my 401k. I'm like, no, you are not. You are not cashing out your 401k to do anything. Like we're going to take care of one another. We're going to get through this and I'm going to find a way to do it. And so that instinct to keep it alive, but really a focus on a team and how important that group of people is. It just put everything into stark relief about like why I do what I do. And it's all about the camaraderie of this, really this family that you create when you start a company and the bonds between one another you can do incredible things. You can work miracles when you are doing it for people that you love. So I love hearing that, like the way you speak about a team. That's cool. I've had a lot of leaders on the show. I haven't really heard people speak of it in that kind of emotional way, you know, like an emotionally, not attached way, but like a, a place of, you just said love. Yeah. So let's fast forward. My company gets acquired yay, Henry's born. And, uh, you know, after maternity leave, I come back and the C- new, the CEO of the company that acquired us takes me out and of course gets totally drunk and is just like talking and talking and talking. And I'm just kind of listening. And he's like, Jen, your team loves you. You're such a good leader, all that kind of stuff. But your fatal flaw is that you think that people matter. And until you realize that this is a game, it's a game that we're playing. You are never going to win big because you think that people matter. And honestly, that moment, my team knows it. Everyone, everyone knows it because I am like, oh, okay, we're going to agree to disagree on this one. And honestly, it propels me through all that I do. It is not for finances. It is to build something really big, to be able to look back at that and all of those people who think that it's what you do, but I know that it's how you do it and who you do it with that truly matters. And we have to build a big company and we have to have a big exit, not for the money. I hope that everyone can pay off their mortgages and all those sorts of things. That would be amazing. But it's got, we, I just want to show the world that the way that you do work t- matters and the bonds that you create with your team can, you can do, you can work miracles with that. So it's a huge motivator for me for reals. 
it's just shocks me so much how companies can turn into billion dollar businesses with people in leadership seats, founders, the CEO that literally lack a lot of emotional intelligence and empathy and treat people just like that guy that said that to you. That's how they treat. I mean, to the outside, they tell everybody, oh, team matters, blah, 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 blah. Like they put on the show. But when they're in, when they fire you, it tells you everything about how they treat and think of people from like a human level. And it, oh my God, this stuff aggravates me so bad. Obviously I've had personal experiences and it's, it's disappointing. You know, it's so disappointing. Who, who doesn't have, I mean, a lot, I mean, I hope that there's someone listening who doesn't have that experience, but there are some people who are here in this company, which yeah, I'm not going to say where they came from, but they were treated so badly by the companies that they came from that literally. So I also volunteer at the at Santa Cruz County animal shelter with my daughter. We work, we've done so many hundreds of hours over the years, which is amazing. I love that part of my life. But when you get a shelter dog that comes in, you can tell the ones that have not been treated well, you know, you can, you can tell it right away. And like, it, it, it's actually a process for people who come into this company because there is so much like, like support and mutual love and joy and lift, lifting up that I, I think people are a little like, is wait, this is real? This real? Yeah. And I was like, wait, 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 wait what? Because and they've like, seen okay. the fake version of that because everybody plays that card and yeah. they don't back it up. You know, like every yeah. CEO has to play that card and they do, but they don't always care. They actually don't care. They're like, I literally had a CEO tell me like after I told him, I was like, listen, you just fired this girl. It was like, it's really a big, you know, it pushed, it makes everybody think a certain way. Everyone feels threatened. Like everyone thinks that their job is on the line right now. Cause you fired this girl out of nowhere and they're all really afraid. And I was like, I think you need to have a conversation with your team. And I think you need to tell them that like, this is what, what happened. Like it was a performance issue, whatever, like there needs to be some communication to me to, to be able to explain to your team that, Hey, your neck is not on the chopping block. Don't worry about it. You're safe. But instead he's like, well, this isn't a family. This is a business. <laughs> it's like, mm. there you go. What do you say to that? Are you like, no, it is a family or are you like, no, it's a business, but there's a way to treat people in a fair and like um, honorable way. Oh my gosh. We think about, I mean, we think about this all the time, of course. I mean, you have to make sure that it's all functioning and functional. And if there's someone who's super unhappy in their role and you, and you, and you're trying and trying and trying and putting the plan in place and like, all right, let's try this again. We got this and giving them a cool, a, a plan. And it just keeps being difficult or if their values don't align with the rest of the team and it's causing like overall friction. Honestly, every time that I've ever had to make those choices to part with someone, it is after a lot of agonizing for sure. But ultimately they're probably in a place that is in a different environment, they would absolutely thrive. And they're clinging so hard to try to make something work. And it really is ultimately going to be a win-win. And, and anyone who comes through any of my companies is part of our alumni network. And we celebrate them. I have such a huge connection. Instantly, they're connected to our VCs and to find, because it just, they're great people. Otherwise, we wouldn't have brought them in here. Sometimes it's either a role or any of those sorts of things, but it's so important to communicate that. And usually 
you know, we're, we're a small, pretty tight knit group. So it's usually not a surprise to anyone. If something's not working, it's usually, you know, it's very, very clear, but that caring for and supporting the, like, you know, and I'm actually not a feely person, which is this, I know that maybe that's, sounds surprising. Um, I'm a total rational person. Everything is in spreadsheets. I even decided to marry my husband based on outweighting allocations in an Excel spreadsheet. And the spreadsheet did not lie because we're total, we're still together after all these years and it's a great, great relationship. It's just the right thing to do. And I just care so much about uh, our team. And I just know that when we support each other through this, incredible, great things can happen. So we just bring a lot of joy to the work that we do. And that's another thing that I think I've had to learn over time. I think in the early days when it was really, really hard, I was like, okay, well, I just, I have to work harder. This, like, I I can figure this out. And now I'm like, if it feels wrong and if I'm not happy and I don't actually have joy coming to work every single day, then it's actually the wrong thing. It actually should change. It's not that I have to work harder. It's that it may not be the best fit and thank God I learned it. Um, but it took a long time because, you know, there were situations where I'm just like, right, I can get through that. I'm going to get through this. And I cling to bad situations like way too long. And I probably, I absolutely should have moved on much, much, much sooner. So. Yeah. Yeah. Pros and cons of just like shopping it really quick and in an inhumane way versus like letting it maybe drag out a little longer. It's like somewhere in the middle is probably a safe zone. Oh, I hate talking about this, but, um, (laughs) I mean, I think, I think you've got, you have no, anyone who you have on the team deserves clear expectations. Yes. What, what we're doing, what we need to do roles and responsibilities. And if there's confusion about that, then I haven't done a good job as a, as a leader. So I always start with my, my part and make sure that I'm doing my part of setting expectations, setting people up for success, all of those sorts of things. And you have to give people time. So there might be someone who's like, I think this is not working. You're like, okay, thank you. Appreciate that. We're going to go through a proper process because this person deserves that. Absolutely. And you know, we'll see, we'll see where it goes. So I don't think you can make like, these are big decisions. It's a big decision when someone chooses to quit their amazing job and choose to put all of their life skills and energy against this little noodle and this little mac and cheese. And, you know, I'm so grateful. And I take that very seriously that they choose to spend their career here at this company. I want them learning. I want them growing. So I don't reverse that decision very easily. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Okendo is the new standard in customer reviews, and they want to make it simple and easy for you to collect user-generated content to use for your Shopify site. Retailers that use Okendo have seen an 81% increase in conversion rate when customers interact with reviews and UGC on their site. With Okendo, you can showcase UGC and reviews on your e-commerce site to build trust with your customer base and compel buying action. Okendo works with some of Shopify's fastest growing brands like Skims, Carbon 38, Byte, Magic Spoon, so many more. So if you'd like to join these high growth brands, head on over to go.okendo.io slash stairway to CEO to book a demo and take advantage of getting 30 days free on Okendo. Thank you so much to our amazing sponsors. I hope you're able to take advantage of these exclusive deals designed just for you. 
Now let's get back to the show. I want to hear, you know, I know that you going back to, to Scout Labs, you worked also kind of skipping ahead, I guess, a little bit to Sarah Belly. You were the first employee and then became CEO. Yeah, I started as CEO uh, at Cerebelli a couple. Well, I mean, I started as their as their CEO. I was not a founder, so that was the first of all of my companies. I've been a founder and CEO. Um, Cerebelli was the first where I was a just brought in as the as the CEO for some other founders, and so yeah, that's that's when I came in very very early. So there wasn't a product, just doing line trials. So brought the whole thing to, to to market, launched a company, hired the team, you know, got got it off off and launched it into the world, which is the part the part that I love to do. Absolutely. And so what were some of the learnings that you, you know, took from that and some of the challenges you overcame in that role? Yeah, I mean, part one one part is definitely being a CEO for hire is definitely a different thing because your job is to kind of execute the wishes of the founders. And so if those are perfectly aligned, that's amazing. Um, if it's not perfectly aligned, ah, it's a little harder for me to not do what feels right in my in my heart. And in because the entrepreneur is screaming on inside, right? <laughs> it's 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 different. You're like, oh wow, this is definitely different. <laughs> I don't want to um, do it that way. <laughs> it's tough, you know, and there's all different kinds of ways to do it. So there's no one right or wrong, but that was harder for me. So I just knew that as being a founder CEO is 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 much is much easier. Cause you set the tone, you set the culture, um, you set the um, the branding and uh, really the why. I mean, I think my whole career, I'm very, very focused on the why of what you do, what you do. Like, what is the mission? What is the heart and the core? Like, why do you wake up in the morning? We happen to make noodles, but for us, you know, we kind of started with the mission first, which is to make, be, and do gooder. And with that concept of putting good out into the world, we happen to be making mac and cheese right now. We might make other things in the future. But like the why of what we do is so important and everything flows from that. So to show up a little bit later when all those things have been established and it's not quite the way that you would do it and everything, it's a little, it's a little bit harder. So this, uh, this incredible band of people that came together to make Goodles is... Uh, it is an incredible band of people. You have Wonder Woman. You have Wonder like, Woman as your co-founder. I, I like to I like to say we're filled with Wonder Woman, um, and we also have <laughs> Gal Gadot. Yes, but yeah, I mean, honestly, starting with Molly Mache, who's our incredible head of R and D, this is she and I have worked together for years, and having her create this product has just been so crazy. I do have Deb Luster, who's the original president of Annie's. And the founding team member of Annie's, like the queen of mac and cheese on my founding team. I've got Paul, who's this incredible branding and innovation professor and a crazy, wonderful spirit and heart and soul. And then, yes, I do have Gal, who plays Wonder Woman, who's wonderful too. And she and I have known each other for about four years or so. So it was a great opportunity to just pull in total dream team and, uh, do this work again, very much united by the mission and the purpose and the passion and to do it together and with each other. And we happen to be making really yummy mac and cheese. So 
So how did it all come together? Who had the idea, brought it to you guys? Like who, what was the whole series of events and how'd you guys get started? Oh my gosh. It is literally, it's almost like, like a lightning flash or something. Cause it, it all happened. We incorporated back in November of 2020, the middle of COVID, deep COVID, dark times. And we launched the company 12 months later on November 16th, just last year in 2021. So in 12 months, we, Paul had a silly word sketched down called goodles. And he loved just this like word and, and had an idea that he actually used to be a craft brand manager when he was like really, really young. So the idea of like, I wonder if we could make good, good mac and cheese. He had the idea for a brand, but didn't know how to make actual food. Molly and I had worked together for years. Molly knows how to make the food. I know how to launch companies. We literally, it all came together. We got introduced to Deb within a week. I called Gull. She's like, oh my God, I love my good cheese. And the whole thing just happened so fast. And I think we were, we were really just looking for a way. I mean, we all have been, you know, working in kind of food and healthy food and making things better. Cerebelli is so, so extraordinary because it gives this great nutrition to infants and toddlers and babies, which is so important because that's where, when the brain is developing, but we all need extra nutrition. And so to put dense nutrition into tiny spaces without changing the flavor, the texture, the things like that, there's a whole big world besides just baby food that could really use a serious nutritional makeover we were looking for something that was just fun and joyful and mac and cheese is kind of universal. I don't care if you are rich or poor. I don't care the color of your skin. I don't care whether you're from the North or from the South. I don't care what anything everybody loves. And just, it just, it's just joy. When you talk about mac and cheese, (laughs) one funny story, we go to, we're here in Santa Cruz. There's this we're right on the cliffs and right on the ocean. And there's this great um, street called West Cliff Drive. So we drive our mover and shaker down there and we always given out samples. And it's just like moms are so excited and college students are so excited and old people are so excited and young people and babies and everything. Deb Luster, my wonderful Deb, she, <laughs> she's not from Santa Cruz, but she saw two really black, shiny, nice cars. We don't have any black, shiny, nice cars in Santa Cruz. And she, it turned out to be a drug deal. She walked right in between the two things and the like money and the drugs are actually like exchanging, exchanging hands right there. And they're like, what do you need? And she's like, uh, I have samples of mac and cheese. And everyone goes, yay. Like even gangsters love mac and cheese. So it's just like this universal happy thing. And it's such a great conduit for this idea of putting little gooders out into the world and to make be and do gooder. It's just a great, great place to start. That's awesome. So Paul kind of had this idea and this name and just, you know, you helped kind of also put together the team and it all just came together. I actually wonder, do you think that's because you said 2020, were you guys just sitting around? Like it was a great timing because you're all kind of in between looking for your next thing. Like was time, how was timing playing into this? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is kind of crazy to think about that. Literally timing is so important because Paul called me and Molly called me. I had accepted, like literally was accepting this big offer 
on Monday for the new thing that I was going to go do. And I was just exhausted from starting companies. I'm like, I just need to like do a big CMO job at a big old company. It's going to be so great. And I'm just not going to be an entrepreneur again. I promised my family, I'm not going to put us all through that again. We're doing this thing. Paul calls and I'm, and Molly's like, Jen, you should just like, just let's just talk. Can we just talk? And I was like, Molly, it's total waste of time. Literally I'm accepting on Monday. And she's like, just talk. That's hilarious. We were just like, <gasps> and the whole thing. And I got off the phone and my husband's like, you're doing it again. I'm like, yeah. He <laughs> saw so the good. fire, the fire in the eyes. Oh, great. Yes. Here we go. That's so yeah. funny. So what was it like, you know, building or just like creating this product? I love it, by the way. I mean, the names are so cool. Twist my palm. I mean, I just I'm like such a sucker for great names and branding. And yeah, thank you. You know, we can't be a brand filled with joy if we don't have names that don't make you smile. Um, That one was supposed to twist my palm was supposed to be called. It was a strong contender. We didn't go this with this this route, but it was called Kiss My Asiago. Oh, that would have been great. I know, but it's family friendly. We had to be, uh, so anyway, it's gonna, it, it makes, but so many good, you know, from old McDonald had a parm and parmageddon and oh my gosh, we have so many, so many fun outtakes left on the cutting room floor. We have so much, such a, such a good time with naming. You'll have to do some other Parmesan, uh, you know, versions yes, so you can use right, names. to bring those back. We got to bring those back, but watch for all of our SKUs coming out. But, you know, I think it's that. This is a, a team that knows that brands are built based on the details. So whether it's the name or the, the copy, um, if you call 707 Goodles, you will hear our phone tree, which is hysterical. Nobody ever calls it, but like it's I'm going to call it after things. this. Now I have to call <laughs> you it. You should, you should. But it's all those little tiny details that add up to... You know, I mean, even just most people think that we only sell mac and cheese, but if you go look, we have little sporks and we actually hired someone to knit little tiny sweaters for the sporks in case their spork gets cold. We have roller skates. We have skateboard that literally has the bowls for the mac and cheese so that you can do mac and cheese flight on your skateboard, which is all custom made. I mean, we just like all of those little attention to detail is what makes a brand beloved. And so we are obsessive about those little details, the names being one of them. So thank you for noticing. I mean, I'm reading the other one, Shella Good, you know, with the white cheddar. And then the uh, OG mac and cheese is what? Chetty Mac? Chetty Mac. Chetty Chetty Mac. Mac. Mover and Shaker. I mean, they're all really good. I think my favorite is the Mover and Shaker. It's my favorite too. It's my favorite too. It's really good. It's like creamy. Yeah. So it's like the cut bucatini and that one is, it has a really special story for, for us internally. We're actually coming up on our one year anniversary. It's on May the 4th because that was our fourth skew. So normally companies launch with three because usually retailers take three brands. So you always do things, launch things in threes. So the first three, the Shella Good, Chetty Mac and Twist My Palm were our three and we, it was Friday night and we were literally sh- shooting, we were f- wrapping up and packaging up samples of those three SKUs to ship to Chicago where our photographer was going to take those crazy pictures of those forks 
It's like $80,000 photo shoot for a fork. It was just insane to get those fork shots. So we're shipping everything off. And I just had this sinking feeling. And I called Paul and I was like, we need a fourth skew. We need something weird. And, and the first three are just, they're not weird enough. And if we are going to establish this brand as like, our branding guideline is, oh no, you did not. So if we did not, if we're not doing things that don't, doesn't get a, oh no, you did not out of it, then we're, we're not hitting the mark. And I just felt we were being too tame and we needed something crazy that no one's ever seen before. And he's like, okay, so yeah, love all that. But literally the photo shoot is on Monday. And I called Molly. I was like, Molly, we need a fourth skew. And I sent an email to the company and I said, I'm really sorry. This is going to be a long weekend, but we need a fourth skew and it has to be in Chicago on Monday for the shoot. And instead of like, this team was like, we got this, Jen. And Molly started working and she nailed it. Like by 3 p.m. on Friday, we started tasting it. We fell in love with it. We shipped it. We got it ready. We expanded the contract for the shoot that we secured blah, 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 and the whole thing was the whole thing was shot. So it's kind of a, we actually have a, a company holiday on May 4th because it's the day of our, that I sent that email that said, we're doing a fourth skew. Like we are weird and we have to surprise the world and we're not weird enough and we just got to do it. And the whole company rallied in such an extraordinary way. So it's not only my favorite taste and flavor, it holds a really special symbolic place in, in our hearts as a company. It's such a good one that the pepper, the cheese and the pepper. I mean, it's that's such a great story behind that one flavor. And to have the team rally over a weekend like that to just be like, yes, this is exactly what we want to do this weekend. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Thank you. The 14 grams of protein, kind of great. In fifteen, fifteen. Once you actually cook it up, so right. fifteen in a milk. cup. We have to put fourteen on the front, but when you actually make it, you're up to fifteen grams of protein, which is the same in one cup. So that's the same as two and a half hard-boiled eggs, all in one cup of that. It's crazy. And the list of all these vitamins and stuff back here, like vitamin B and C and A and K and E. I mean, you have like everything in here. Yeah, we have nutrients in there from. And I shouldn't even say this. I don't even like telling people what's on the side of the box and in terms of ingredients, because I think people think it's going to taste bad, but it's got nutrients from maitake mushrooms, shiitake mushrooms, kale, chlorella, which is a freshwater algae. And everyone listening is going to be like, oh gosh, that's going to be terrible. But I'm telling you. Yeah, no, it's like sweet potato and cranberry. I mean, it it (laughs) does look really wonky. You're like, how is this going to taste? But you look at the picture and you just like, that's got to taste good. It's going to not taste good. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. That's, that's our strategy. I think to build a giant, giant company, you know, the health nuts will flip it on the side and go, Oh my gosh, there's algae in it. Yay. We just want it to taste good. We want it to be packed with nutrition and fiber, protein, fewer calories, all the stuff that we are, but we just, we, as I think as a big company, you hide the the mushrooms. People don't need to know that there's mushrooms, nutrients from mushrooms in there. It's fine. Yeah. Well, amazing product. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing it. Uh, love the packaging too. The whole experience is amazing. How do you feel you've kind of grown as a leader? You've had so many incredible leadership experiences. How do you think you've grown and what advice do you have for those aspiring to be a great leader? Yeah, I, I mean, we touched on it a little bit, but I think I, I think in my early days, I was 
less playing to win and more playing not to lose. Like I was doing it to like for like not mess this up. And there's a there's a difference when you start thinking about not losing. That's a really different mindset than being in the flow and just going with the flow and like loving and 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 doing things because it brings you joy and I don't know. I just wish I, I know it now. And I love that. Uh, it's now I, I realize that the more I work with joy and work and find people and work with people that bring me joy, the more success I have as a entrepreneur and as a business, like, geez, why didn't I figure that out before? So everyone listening, like stop being scared like be yourself and just do like shine your joy in your voice like it just gets better and better so you know I I wish I had learned that sooner but at least I know it now for what about the people that are like yeah I want to but I don't know where to start or I don't know what I love or how do I find my passion yeah well that that is definitely i think the having the idea like a really killer idea is such a big big part of it and you kind of sometimes you kind of know it when you see it i think that one is just you experience everything just try stuff just just try stuff even if it is working in a startup you'll like just by doing it you'll figure out the parts that you like and the parts that you don't like like oh that part i liked i really didn't like that so we're not gonna do that again and you go make different mistakes, but you don't make the same mistakes. So I think the paralysis is the, the thing that I would never sit and stew and think about it. I always, and the door opens, just walk through it and then walk through the next one and walk through the next one. And, you know, at the time, it never feels like a straight line. You're just like walking through some doors. Now, looking back on my career, I was like, wow, like I really do feel like all, I mean, we even what we've talked about, there were threads of me being a a foodie person. I've had food in my career. I've had, you know, it's like as if everything I've done in my life has led me to this moment. I don't actually believe that. And that's too mystical for me and my, my analytical self, but it really is true that I've just kind of brought the best and the things that I've loved the most from every little experience that I've had all together. And Oh, by the way, all the people. So my favorite person from this company and my favorite from this, my favorite from this. And if you create those bonds, they are thrilled. One of my, one of my employees, I mean, many have worked with me twice. Many have worked with me three times. One has been with me, but all four, which is amazing. So I think that, you know, you never know like what is the ultimate thing you need, or if you're not sure what the big idea is, just go start doing some stuff and, and really tune in to what parts you love and what parts bring you joy and the parts that you really don't want to replicate. And you'll just keep, you'll just keep, you'll, you'll find it. What advice do you have for getting into that flow that you're talking about? Do you meditate? Are you going running? Like, are you reading books? <laughs> what is your, what, how do people get into the flow? I was, we were just talking about this with my, with my friend today. It's almost like a scene from the matrix where everything starts to slow down and like so many things are happening and just like, things are happening all around you, but you just get really focused in and in the moment. So for me, I, it, it just kind of happens. I get in the zone and just kind of get locked into the moment that I'm in. How do I do it? I don't know how I do it. I'm really bad at, I, I, I should meditate. 
I should have some outlet for things. I hang out with my family, hang out with my kids. I cook, I work in the garden. I swim as often as I can, but I'm, I'm, I'm super out of balance. That's just, that's, that's just this total, total plain and simple straight to totally out of balance, but I love it. I remember my five-year-old, he was like, mom, why are you always working? He's not five anymore. But at the time he was like five or maybe it was four. Cause he was still preschool. And he's like, you're always working. You're never here. And I was like, you know how you play with trains, how you play with trains a lot. Why do you play with trains a lot? And he's like, cause trains are awesome. And I love them. I was like, well, that's why mom works. And he's like, oh, okay. You keep go doing that. So I think that, you know, yeah, I work a ton, but it's because it's so joyful to me. And I'm finally doing work with people and around people that I love so much that I, it's just, it feels so good. It is the thing that restores me. I love being here with this team. I love doing this work. So it's like, if you can do that, where your work is your fuel and your energy, and you don't have to like go home and then find something else to go do to try to recharge your batteries to get enough energy to go back in, then you know, then you figured it out. Well, I think the world needs more leaders like you, Jen. So what are you going to do about it? You got to crank out some more people like you. (laughs) (laughs) Come, come work for, come work for good old or in Santa Cruz. Maybe I need to work with you. You are so welcome. This is an extraordinary place and a fun place to learn. Um, So, but thank you. That's really, really sweet. Of course. Well, thank you for being on the show. Um, Before we wrap up, anything that you can share about what's next for Goodles? Oh my gosh. We just launched a couple months ago and we just went into Target this week. Congratulations. Our launch announcements. Amazing. Our cute little unicorn video and our super cute little gall Domino's post went, went up this week. So yeah, so we're in the Target, like almost all Target stores around the country, which is crazy and insane. So we're just having fun. So lots more innovation, lots more new products, lots of stuff launching this coming year. But for now, we're just focused on kind of keeping up and hanging on tight to the little rocket ship as it jets across the sky. So (laughs) hold on tight, fasten your seatbelt. Thank you so much for being on the show and joining me. Lee, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the Stairway to CEO podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Lee Green. And if you have any burning business questions, please feel free to reach us at www.stairwaytoceo.com. We'd love to hear from you. And if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe to the show, tell your friends, leave us a review and follow us on Instagram at Stairway to CEO. Until next time, guys, keep on climbing.